Amen. God bless you. It's good to see you tonight. I'd like you to uh, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. I want to say thank you to everybody that drove over to Ellensburg this past weekend. Brother Timothy, I could use a little more volume if you could give it to me. Amen. What a wonderful time we had on Sunday in Ellensburg. It's a beautiful thing, wonderful to be a part of such a body of Christ. Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy 2.19. I'll be try to be honest and transparent about the way that I feel the Lord is speaking to me. Um, I was praying today and just trying to express my heart to the Lord, uh, my feelings, my thoughts, all that. Uh, if there's anybody that can take them, it's Him. And if there's anybody I should feel like I'm able to express myself to, it is the Lord. Amen. Amen. The Bible says all things are open before him anyways. So either I can acknowledge that and be honest or I can deceive myself and try to think that, well, he doesn't know this or need to hear that or doesn't care about this, wouldn't know that. No, he knows all of it. So I was just talking to him in an open way and um, without any particular individual or individuals in mind, I was just praying, uh, Lord, you know the ones that love you. You know the ones that care about you and your word and your ways and you know, I was trying to say, stay on the positive side of that prayer. The other side is, you also know the ones that don't, but I wasn't trying to, to go there in any place of prayer. I was just expressing myself to him. And uh, he gave me a few verses that I feel like I want to share tonight. So 2 Timothy 2.19, it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. Let me just give you a little bit of context. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, I think. In the verses before this, it mentions a few men by name who were going around teaching a false doctrine. And... Um, so Timothy, uh, Paul writes to Timothy here, don't worry about who's out there doing whatever else, true or false. Don't worry about who's spreading, you know, false gospel to the point that it disturbs you or disrupts you. Now, I'm not saying we just allow whatever it, by whomever, um, but don't let it get you to the point of being disturbed in yourself where... I can't be happy because, and you fill in the blank, because that person is not serving the Lord. 
I, I don't have peace because that person's making a mess out of their life. You can't go there because, let's say, if that's the case, then the best case scenario is you go and grab them by the scruff of their neck and say, you're going with me to serve the Lord, and I don't care how you feel about it. Let's say that you were allowed to do that for a minute. You're going to be at church every time the doors are open. You're going to be kneeling there praying in the altar every time. There's, I'm going to make sure you do that. If you had the free reign and the ability to do that, you wouldn't be any better off that they were doing that if it's you making them do that. Now, there is a certain point where a parent has the responsibility and the obligation to make sure that their children are being raised and being taught such things as faithfulness, prayer, discipleship. You, you, you get that God-given role up to a certain point and Lord help us not miss that window. But when that window closes, and especially when you're not talking about your own offspring, then you'll get yourself in a real mess if you let somebody else's relationship with God or lack thereof disturb your own. Every day you wake up and think, well, I wonder what kind of shape so-and-so's in. And if they're not in a good shape, if that bends you out of shape, you got something wrong. Because the Lord knows them that are His. That's the, that's the seal of the foundation of God. That's what Paul says. He meant, this is just after he mentions two men by name, and he's telling Timothy, watch out for the type that do, that do what those two did. Watch out for them, beware of them, and be smart about it. But... Don't get all bent out of shape about it and, and don't lose sleep over the fact that they're not coming to your church service. The foundation of God stands sure and it has this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. That phrase, them that are his, it's what the Lord is, has been uh, striking to me. The, and, and only, I'll put it this way, the Lord and only the Lord knows them that are his. We might think we know sometimes, and we might be pleasantly surprised sometimes and we might be disappointed sometimes every now and then somebody will come and talk to me and just from a few minutes of conversation I'll think wow I didn't even know you were on that level in your relationship with the Lord let me give you a pat on the back because I'm encouraged by that but the Lord knew it all along and other times I'll have a just a brief conversation or maybe even just hear something come out of somebody's mouth and I'll think, wow, I didn't know you were on that level of your relationship with the Lord. But he knew all along. 
So it's not up to me to try and judge and determine who's doing well and who's doing poorly with their walk with the Lord. And the more time I spend doing that, the worse off I'm going to be for it. Because the Lord knows them that are His. He doesn't need me filling Him in on who is and who's not seemingly His right now. God, did you hear what so-and-so said last week? Did you, Lord, do you know what that person, of course He knows. You really think He doesn't? And do you really think He needs reminders about who is where, when, and how. He knows all of that. The Lord knows them that are His. So really the greater question is, am I one of those? Am I His? Am I His? I hope so. I want you to know that I'm one of yours. Whatever else you know about whomever else, I want you to know that I am yours, Lord. I belong to you. Let there be no question about that. Let there be no wandering about that. Jeremiah chapter 29. I want to read just a few verses here. I'm not going to take the time to read all of it. 29 verse 13. Jeremiah 29 is written in the context of a letter written to God's people as they are in captivity in Babylon. Most of you know this background and this story. But he tells Jeremiah, write my people a letter. And these are some things I want them to know. And he is very plain about where they are, how long they're going to be there, the fact that he knows where they are, and he tells them, after 70 years, I'm going to bring you back out of captivity, but while you're there, in the meantime, just do this, live this way, serve me this way, and don't worry about the rest. So he says here in verse 13, ye shall seek me, and find me. Everybody say, find me. You shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. When you search for me with all your heart. And I started to think about what does that really look like in a person's life when they're searching the Lord Searching for the Lord with all their heart. You know, the Bible says it, and we probably say it about at least 50% of the time in some service or another. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Every word is inspired by God. So even that little phrase, with all your heart, is given by inspiration of God. It's meaningful to us. And it, he could have just said... Seek me, and you'll find me when you search for me. But, he says, when you search for me with all your heart. Well, 
Sometimes it's easier for me to think about a, a, a solution or an, a situation from the opposite side of it. So I understand the phrase is with all your heart. You will find me if you do search for me with all your heart. So if I don't search for him with all of my heart, I don't have the biblical promise or expectation that I will find him. It's a, little, it's a little bit easier for me to understand myself or just in context of general people not searching with all their heart. Somebody or me that just says, well, today's only Tuesday. I'll, I'll, I'll come back around to searching for you on Sunday. Is that all of my heart? No. It's not. Things are going pretty well for me right now, Lord, so I don't feel like I have a whole lot of need for you right now. But I will come back around and search for you if that picture starts to change a little bit. If this one thing over here doesn't go the way that it's looking like it will go, then I'm probably going to have to come back and search for you. But as long as it is this way... I don't really need, I don't feel like I need to search for you right now. Is that searching for the Lord with my whole heart? No, it's not. Here's one for you. Lord, we had an awesome, awesome service on Sunday. United service in Ellensburg. And I heard from you and I felt your presence and you ministered to me. And I left there encouraged. So... Now today, I don't know that I necessarily need to search for you because of how great the service was on Sunday. Is that searching with my whole heart? No, it's not. You will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. How about this one? I'll go to church because that's what I'm supposed to do. And Lord, hopefully you'll get a hold of me while I'm there. Is that searching for the Lord with my whole heart? Uh-uh. See, what we want to do, and going back to what I was saying earlier, is we want to judge somebody and whether or not they're seeking and how well they're seeking by f factors such as church attendance. Well, I know they've been here every Sunday this month, so I, they must be searching for the Lord. Not necessarily. They could be sitting right there on the seat next to you and searching for the, the lunch menu in their mind. And, and, and conversely, we think, well, I haven't seen them in a month, so they must not be searching for the Lord. Not necessarily. We just get in trouble when we start to look at those factors through a human lens. Now, I believe if you're really searching for the Lord, you will come to church because often he manifests himself here. Thankfully, he manifests himself here. And if I know there's a spot where he manifests himself and I know that I'm looking for him, I'm going to go to that spot. 
One more time. You shall seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I just got a few more verses I want to read here. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. It says, And with all thy soul and with all thy might. You'll find there's very little times in Scripture where just a portion of a person is referenced, really, in any context. Very, very much more frequently, it talks in whole. In whole. In, in math, we would say use whole numbers, not fractions, not decimal points. Whole numbers. Well, the Bible usually talks in whole, all of you, not. 98% of you. Or not most of the group, not all the group. The scripture comes to mind that it says there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. That's a, that's a whole number. Not 51%, 65%, 72% of the generation. There arose a generation that knew not the Lord. That's whole. So the scripture says right there, you shall love the Lord with all your heart. It's the same term, it's the same meaning as searching for the Lord with all your heart. I don't get to love the Lord with a little bit of me. That's not really Loving the Lord. Here. We got seven people in our house. Five of them are underage. And they expect meals to be prepared for them sometimes. Oftentimes, really. My wife knows this much better than I do. What would happen if it was dinner time? The kids came to her and they said, Oh, what's for dinner? Well, I cooked most of your dinner. You know what? I cooked a lot of your dinner. In fact, I got about 70% done with dinner. So that's what's for dinner. 70% of a cooked meal. And I, I'm not talking about like we got the meat but not the potatoes. I'm talking like the meat is 70% cooked. This, the potatoes are 70% done. That's your meal today. An almost prepared meal is for dinner tonight. I can imagine the looks I'm going to get, the questions I'm going to be asked when they find out that's what was prepared for them. Now, keep it in this context of love the Lord with all thine heart and say, Lord, I love you. I'll tell you how much I love you. 
70% of me loves you. I mean, that's a lot. Those are good numbers. Most people don't even love you 50%, but I love you 70%. That much of me belongs to you, Lord. Isn't that great? Aren't you proud of me? Put it, use it with the same, thy soul. The scripture talks about the soul, and that's the inner man. So we, we know that's things like my emotions, things like my mind, the inner me. What if I said, I love you with 70% of my mind. I'm going to serve you with 70% of my mind. 80% on a good day. Lord, isn't that a great number? What's the command? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all. If you want... Now, you can give me whatever number you want to give me, but if you want to obey the command, there is one number. It's 100%. All means 100% of. Now I can just hear it in the Pentecostal realm. What about 110%? Well, I'll take it, but that doesn't mean you get to take 90% off of tomorrow. All. Everybody say all. Does the Lord have all of my heart? Does the Lord have all of my soul? Does the Lord have all of my might? Might, in, in modern day terms, I think I can mostly relate it to this word, energy. We, it, oftentimes we use the word strength, with all your strength. But usually, and let's talk about the course of a whole 24-hour day for a minute. You know how much energy you have in the course of a given day. Now, some days is better than others, but you know all the factors that go into that. If you know today was a hard, hard, long day, I have, I've just been going overtime, I've been working extra, I've been seeking after that and trying to fix this and taking care of that. Today took a lot out of me. So... Tomorrow is probably going to be a tough day. If you know that before the day starts, you know what you need to, ha to do to have enough energy the next day, don't you? I mean, I get it, and I'm, I'm being honest with you. There's a lot of days I go into it thinking, I don't know if I have 100% to give today because of how much yesterday took. I'm going to do my best. It's Today's Tuesday. I don't know what it is about the course of my week, but usually Tuesdays feel about like the most productive day in my week. Does anybody else feel that way or is it just me? Tuesday, because I'm far enough away from Sunday, I've had a little bit of a recovery from whatever Sunday took, and I'm not quite up onto thinking about the next weekend 
or the next set of responsibilities. So Tuesday for me is a high production day, usually. At least it feels like that to me mentally. But I'm talking about your mind, all of your strength, all of your might, your energy. Can I go before the Lord and say, I know you need all of my might, my power, my energy, my strength, but this shed has to get done. And I'm not picking on anybody because I don't know anybody that's done a shed recently. But I'm just giving you an example. I believe the Lord will give you all the energy you need to do that shed in the time that he wants it done. So to give him all means I cannot choose to give it anywhere else over him. I start every day with a certain amount of heart, soul, and might. He knows how much that is for me. And if I don't give it all to him, I have not fulfilled this commandment. Now, thankfully, he's not like some of the bosses that some of you and I have had where they just look at a bottom line of production and say, you didn't meet the production quota today. How do you know that? Because I'm looking at what you did yesterday, and I'm looking at what you're normally able to do. You didn't meet that today. No, I said it. I'll say it again. He, you start every day with a certain amount that he gives you. And he expects all that he's given you that day to be used for him. Not like you got to come here and pray and fast that number of hours. In case you didn't know that, I don't do that. But everything you do, the scripture says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. I'm asking you again the question, does God have all of you? You'll find him when you search for him with all of your heart. Now, and, and sometimes, I'm just going to be honest, so if anybody needs to feel like we can pin this on somebody else, here it is. There's some people that are just not going to search for God with all their heart. I've just been around long enough to know that. It's not fun and it's not, it's not happy, but it's true. There are people who have lived enough of the course of their life to prove, sure, I love God and I think great thoughts about Him and I want to see people happy and all that, but you know what? I got my own stuff to do and I'm going to focus on that. There's people like that. I believe those people need just as much of the Lord as I do. As I do. First Thessalonians 5:23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Everybody say holy. That's not like holy Bible. It means entirely, completely. 
sanctify you wholly, completely. What does that mean, completely? Completely sanctified. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's three elements. They're, used, they're, they're described slightly differently or different words, but they're the elements that we just read about in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Serve the Lord with all, all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Here he says all of your spirit, all of your soul, and all of your body. Every person that's here tonight has a spirit, a soul, and a body. Paul, writing to the, the, to the church, says, I'm praying that all of you gets this work done. I'm not going to be happy if a few of you get all of your spirit sanctified and a few of you get all of your body sanctified and a few of you get all your soul. No, I want all of you to be wholly, completely sanctified. That's 100%. I'm going to say it again. He wrote this to the church. Not to the leaders of the church, not to the bishop, not to the elders, not to the deacons. He wrote this to everyone. Everybody say everyone. I want everyone to be wholly sanctified. You mean you can look at a church and expect them to all be godly? Give them enough time and yes. Yes, that is a reasonable expectation that God would sanctify you. Sorry, I got to sit down. It's a reasonable expectation that God would sanctify a person completely. We don't look at people and say, well, God's just not doing the work he's supposed to do in that person's life. If he's not, there's a reason why, and it's not because of him. We choose to allow him to work in our life, or we choose not to. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I know I keep asking you this question, but this is the way that the Lord has given it to me. Does God have all of you? I think he's just causing us to stop and reflect. He's wanting me to stop and consider. Does he have all of me or does he have some of me? Because if he only has some of me, he really has none of me. 
No man can serve two masters. He's got some of me. I serve him sometimes. I give him a little bit of everything. What you're doing is you're giving him enough to appease your conscience. Or to appease those around you that you want to please. I'll give him enough of me so that Brother Hart thinks that I'm doing all right. I'll serve the Lord with enough of my heart that if anybody comes to question me, I can say, my meter is way up here. One more scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Now, before I remembered that it was in these notes, I re referenced it earlier, but I want you to see the whole thing, the t these two verses together. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That, or you could say, so that. All Scripture is given so that. The Scripture is given for doctrine so that. It's given for correction, for instruction, so that, for this reason, for this purpose. Uh, I'm getting there, but hang on a second. Sometimes you get around enough people and you think, why, why is the Word of God so important to them? I mean, we all got the same Bible. We all got the same Lord that's done. But they just, it seems like they act like the Word of God is more important than anything else. Here's why. That... Verse 17, that the man of God, everybody say, that's me. That's me, that the man of God, not just the preacher. We use that term sometimes for preachers, the, the man of God. No, that every person, that the man of God, the man or woman of God that's receiving that word, may be perfect. I really don't know that I've ever spoken about this particular thing here very much. So let, it, forgive me if this sounds repetitive for a moment. Perfect does not mean you've never done anything wrong. And perfect does not mean you'll never do anything wrong again. Not the way we think of perfect. I think of perfect as I never have been and I never will be because I did something wrong. It has nothing to do with doing right or wrong. It means complete. You look it up. You look up that word perfect in the Greek and it means complete. That the man of God may be complete. Not missing anything. Not lacking anything. 
that the man, all scriptures given to make you complete. Truly furnished. That means every room you go into, it's furnished. You go into a house and they've only got furniture on the bottom floor and not the top floor. That house not truly furnished. It's partially. The opposite of truly or thoroughly is partially. Now I wonder. Uh, I'm not trying to be critical. Please understand, I just wonder how many churches everywhere are filled with partially furnished Christians. How do you get that way? By not being perfect, by not being complete. How do I get perfect? How do I get complete? Two words, all scripture. Now, that sounds like a little bit like a task. How do I get all Scripture? You mean I got to start reading now and not stop until I'm done? And then hope I remembered it all? No. All Scripture, the Bible says that the Word of God is quick and powerful. That means all of this is quick. Quick means it comes to you when and how you need it. Quickened. We use that word quickened. The word of God is quickened to you. It's quick and powerful. And if it's a word of God, it is there to make me complete. Got to do two things. I have to hear it, I have to know it, I have to hear it, but then I have to obey it. Here's the other thing. I'm not trying to be rude, please, and hear me, I'm not trying to be critical. But I, like I just said, I wonder how many of us are partially furnished. I wonder how many times we've seen, maybe I can use this term, We've shopped the Word of God and seen it enough to know either I'm going to buy that or I'm not. Oh yeah, all Scripture is given. So yes, I've heard that verse before. So I'm complete because I know what the Bible says about that. I think I can go easily to the word given. All scripture is given. It's like this. I'm going to give Brother Hart my phone. Here you go. It's given. Is that his? I gave it to him. No, it's still sitting right there where I put it. It's not his. It's not taken. It's not accepted until you lay hold of it and claim it and put it to practice. In your life. So all scripture, when it is received and put into practice, makes you complete. I don't, I, I don't want other things. I don't want substitutes. 
for the Word of God. I don't want substitutes. That means, oh, instead of the quick Word of God, how about you just take this instead? It's easier. It's less confrontational. It satisfies your palate a little bit more. What it really does is it substitutes, and where the real Word of God would get in there and do its actual work, instead, this substitute is going to be a placeholder, but not perform the work. What's a placeholder for doctrine? What's a placeholder for reproof? What's a placeholder for correction, for instruction? We don't need all the doctrine. Just take this little book because it's got the three verses you need to know about this. That's your placeholder. That'll get you through. We don't need all the instruction. Just pray this We don't need all that instruction. Just pray this prayer. That's a placeholder. Doctrine. Reproof. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this one for me. They don't need that much reproof. Just, just be nice to them. Just love them a little bit longer. Just give them a little bit more grace. Just give them a little bit longer leash to run out and do their own thing a little more. What is that? That's a placeholder for reproof. Reproof means, come here, I need to tell you what you're doing wrong. That the man of God may be perfect. Complete. Lacking nothing. Thruly furnished unto all good works. Lord, there's a good work that needs to be done. Who's going to do it? The man that's thoroughly furnished is going to do it. Why aren't the good works getting done? Where's the thoroughly furnished men and women that are supposed to be doing them? Oh, look at my life and you just can, you keep seeing all the What the scripture would say is, my own works. Why did Cain hate Abel? Because his own works were evil. Why Why am I not seeing good works in my life? Because instead you're seeing your own works. And not every one of those is equivalent to murder. But if they come from the same place, it's it's just as much of a problem for me.
just give me a few more minutes. I'm almost done. Talk about Cain for a minute. When the Lord showed me that scripture, his own works. Why? It says, wherefore slew he Abel? Why did Cain kill Abel? Because his own works were evil. That's a double possessive. His own. It could say his works. But his own just doubly emphasizes the fact that what he was doing was his own idea, was his own attempt, was instructed by himself. I will do this work. The Lord wants to sacrifice. I will do the work and call that a sacrifice for God. And you go back to the Old Testament, it says, the Lord had respect unto Abel's sacrifice, but did not have respect unto Cain's. What does the Lord respect? Hear this word, obedience. Obedience. But I just get, Lord, I'm doing so much for you. I'm trying so hard. Exactly. You are trying so hard. You're thinking of every single thing you can think of that might work, and you're spending all your heart, soul, might on doing that. And it's not working. Abel and Cain heard the same instruction. We, we, some of this you have to infer. That means read into. Not add to, but read into. How do these boys know what the Lord wants? God doesn't just say, uh, every man for himself, and then I'll pick and choose who I like. No. They had parents. The parents raised them well enough to know when God wants a sacrifice, here's what you do. You obey the instruction that God's given you. Oh, we, we have this thing, and, and to a certain extent, I try to be understanding because I'm a parent, but there's this concept or the idea, color outside the lines. And if you're talking to a little kid, you might say, this is your, pic your picture, your paper. You can do whatever you want on there. And you got one kid that's making sure he doesn't cross the line. And you got another kid that's corner to corner. That's fine in that context where it is they can do what they want to. But see, Cain brought that attitude, that mentality to the Lord. I can do what I want to. I'll bring what I want to bring to the Lord. The Lord does not respect, has no respect towards that. Another, another way to put that is the Lord doesn't accept that. He rejected it. 
But these, so these boys have enough instruction to know, here's what pleases the Lord. And it says, Abel took of the best of his flock. Cain brought from his fruit the fruit of his labor. Lord, I worked so hard on this squash. I mean, I got up early and watered it. I stayed up late and watered it again. I cleaned all the mess around it, made sure nothing happened to this. You know what? I preserved it for you. I didn't ask you to do that. What what do you mean? I, I thought this is what you wanted. I thought you wanted the best that I could give. No, I want all of you. I want all of you. Abel looked at all of his sheep and said, these are all the Lord's anyways. If, he, if they're really his and he could take his pick, I know he would pick this one right here. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science. It's not line them all up and say, yeah, that one looks the best, but this one's got a little bit more meat right here. Maybe the Lord would want that instead. This one's a... You get him in the right sunlight at the right time of day, and man, his coat really shines. Maybe that's, and we start to justify. I, I wholeheartedly believe that the Lord did not expect Cain to go and get that one good lamb before Abel was able to. Hey, there's a nice pun for you. Before Abel could get to it and say, I'm going to take that. No, he wasn't supposed to bring a sheep of any kind. But I've, and I've, so I believe if he would have been working correctly, if he would have been sowing, watering, and reaping correctly, he would have known this is the Lord's right here. And I'm going to give that to him. It's, it's all his. So let me take of what's all his. That's the sacrifice. How do I give him all of me? Start. All that I have is yours. Every minute. Hmm? I know I said it and it was quick, but let me say it again. Every minute. Sounds easy to brush over in a sermon. But think about it. Every minute of every day, it's all yours. It's all yours. Whatever you want to do with it, it's yours. But here we get to our, our thought of, I, I need a little bit of me time. I can't say every minute, because what if I don't get any me time? All right, you just have all that time then. That's really the only other option. You want the Lord to have it, or do you want to have it? I promise you, he'll give you all the me time you need if you give him all of your time. I promise you he will. I 
think it was mentioned on Sunday. Blessed is he whose delight is in the Lord. It ought to be a delight, folks. If it's not a delight, I'm doing something wrong. We can stand. I'm coming to a close here. I wonder if we would just be open and honest with the Lord for a moment. Talk to him from your spirit. Lord, I really do delight myself in you, God. God, I give you all of myself, all that I have. It all belongs to you, Jesus. All of my substance, Lord. I wouldn't have any of it if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have any time, Lord. I wouldn't have any money. I wouldn't have any energy. I wouldn't have any thoughts. I wouldn't have a clear mind. I wouldn't have a sober mind if it wasn't for you, God. So I'm not trying to withhold any of it, Lord. I'm not trying to maintain hold on any of it myself, God. I'm giving it all to you, Lord Jesus. I'm surrendering it all to you right now, Father. I want you to take my life, Lord Jesus. I want you to take all that I have to give, Lord Jesus. I place it in your hands right now, Father. I place it in your hands, Lord Jesus. God, it's the words of Jesus Christ on the cross. Into your hands I commend my spirit, Lord Jesus. All that I have, I'm giving it to you, God. I'm not withholding one part. Jesus, I'm not withholding a percentage. God, I want you to have all of me. I desire for you to control my life, Lord. Take control of me and use me, Father. Whatever you return to me, God, I'll be happy with it. I'll say it is sufficient, Lord. Whatever you keep, Lord Jesus, I'll thank you for it. God, blessed is the God who gives and takes away. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I give you my heart, Lord. I give you my heart, Lord Jesus. I want you to have all of me, O oh God. I want you to have all of me, Lord. I'm not looking around and comparing my life to others, Lord. I'm not looking around and judging others based on what I see, God. I trust it all to you, Father. You know who belongs to you, Jesus. You know who desires to live a holy life. You know who desires to live a life that's led by your Spirit. God, I just want to be one of those. I just want to be one of those, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I have uh, I've observed Elder Flowers for some time now. And with the natural eye, I look at him tonight and I might say, he seems a little frustrated. He seems a little uptight. But with the spiritual eye, I recognize he is under the burden of the Lord.
It is, it is this kind of ministry that will make us, shape us, build us, edify us, make a spiritual body out of us. Amen? I so appreciate the ministry tonight and, and him allowing himself to come under the burden of the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another. You're dismissed.